When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hi, I'm Josh Smith, and welcome back to my podcast, Make It Rain. I'm a journalist and presenter, and I've been lucky enough to sit down and have unfiltered conversations with some truly incredible people. I know from my own experiences how powerful talking, and crucially, listening to others is, something you have heard about in this very podcast. And without a doubt, my life has been changed by the people I've met. I'm so excited that you are back to join me each week to meet amazing queens who've overcome challenges in their own lives. They're open up about their journey they've been on to harness their power and wear their crowns with pride. I really hope you'll feel empowered to own your own story and make it rain in your own lives too. In this episode of Make It Rain, we are joined by the star of Netflix's epic brand new show, Shadow and Bone. It's Jessie May Lee. If you haven't watched it already, where have you been? Shadow and Bone is basically Netflix's answer to Game of Thrones. And it follows Jessie's Alina, a young woman with unique powers who has to overcome her fair share of monsters, hot boys, and the fold. Just a regular day socializing at the park then. <laughs> Before she found she had literal light within her in Shadow and Bone, Jessie was working as a special education teaching assistant and then just decided to do a couple of casual acting lessons. She went on to land an agent and then found herself starring in the West End production of All About Eve. And here we are today. Here Jessie opens up about feeling like an outsider growing up, her and her family's experiences with anti-Asian hate, and how, just like Alina, she's learned to embrace her own power. There are so many amazing words about defining your identity on your own terms, so I hope you find this chat just as amazing as I did. So crowns at the ready! Well, hello, Jessie. Well, hello, Josh. <laughs> I feel like I've got the giggles already. Oh, my God. I literally swear I start every single one of these podcasts and I'm giggling already. But, <laughs> oh, my God. We can't go any further without discussing Shadow and Bone. Honey, you are serving us up the action heroine we've always needed. Oh, that is so good to hear. That thrills me. That thrills me, honestly. <laughs> It's just like dripping in cliffhangers, in twists and turns. Mm. Like you just don't know what's going to happen next. But like, how would you pitch it for someone who hasn't actually watched it yet? It's really hard. It's so hard to keep this concise because I could probably end up <laughs> rambling on for like 10 minutes just going, oh, oh, and then this thing. And then, oh, oh, oh this thing. We can thing. always edit you out, babe. <laughs> <laughs> just, just shut up. Cut out that five minutes as she's rambling. Um... <laughs> Yeah, so it's it's a the story takes place in a world that's like fairly similar to our own in some ways. There's a lot of inspiration has been taken from our world, but in in this world there are people who have essentially magic powers, um, and they can control the the elements in various ways. And the country of Ravka is split in two by this enormous expanse of shadow that's populated with monsters. 
So the people of Ravka are kind of essentially trapped in by by this thing, the Shadowfold, and the neighbouring countries are at war with. So then we follow the story of Alina. Hello, there she is. Hello, um, babe. Who? <laughs> hi. <laughs> <laughs> um, who realizes she has this um mythical power to summon sunlight so she is essentially going to be the answer to sort of saving her country from this Im- imprisonment um and along the way you know she meets lots of different different funky characters and we have some some rogues that come over from a different country to sort of join in the fun so it's it's interesting because it's fantasy but in a slightly different way than sort of the mainstream fantasy shows have been they're mm. always quite like medieval england swords and boobs and stuff whereas like this is (laughs) this is more you know I think our our author Lee Bardugo she says it's it's um inspired by czarist Russia in like and the 1800s and and machine guns and and things it's it's that time period um which I think we've seen less of um in recent years so it's quite cool it's a bit a bit different yeah I I love how you said usually it's like swords and boobs (laughs) (laughs) I mean I'm not wrong (laughs) Nothing wrong with swords and boobs, but, you know, this is just something slightly different. Um, I feel like you're going to be good fun on a set. So, like, what was maybe, like, your funniest and fondest memory from filming? Oh, God, there were so many. I think, you know, we were so blessed with this group. Everyone is just absolutely hilarious. And and I love people. I will always find something hilarious in someone else. Um, probably, to be honest, a lot of the time when we were filming, I was, like, fairly professional um you know when we were on fairly you know there was always always have a bit of a giggle but mostly because of the nature of it being some of the stuff we had to do was so silly that you know if you were mucking around it would probably make it harder for everyone um but one of the days I really couldn't stop laughing and it was so bad and I was so lightheaded was there's a scene in episode seven when Alina first gets her her amplifier (laughs) and um and so, you know, General Kirigan comes over and he puts his hand on Lena and he's forcing her to make make her her power work. And um honestly, I can't tell you, Josh, it was it was painful how funny it was. Because if you think about it, like obviously with all the visual effects, there's one thing, but when you were just yourself and your mate Ben grasping each other and going, Ugh, <laughs> Ugh, and we're both heavy breathing and like grunting, and after every single take, I just I just dissolved into hysterics because also I was like feeling really faint because I was having to breathe so heavily. And there was, you know, and the crew were all being very professional at the start, you know, kind of like, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. yeah, as, as this is going on. But then as it got, as it got more and more ridiculous, I think everyone just started to get the giggles and I just couldn't, you know, Ben and I are super close, but I couldn't look him in the eye for, for about half an hour afterwards because I just kept laughing, just having him going, as he grabbed onto my shoulder it was just probably one of the silliest things i've ever done this is one of those moments in life where you take a little check in with yourself you're like i've just been paid for groaning for grunting (laughs) grunting Grunting all day and my god there was a lot of it i did a lot of a lot of grunting and weird faces and stuff it was Right up my street. I love yeah. all that. <laughs> you were serving it, babe. I mean, it's <laughs> such a huge role, though, isn't it? And it's such a massive production on this huge Netflix show. Mm-hmm. And, like, how did you cope with the pressure of being that leading mm. figure in that? It's sort of weird because I guess... I guess it's a, it's a case of... 
I didn't ever really see it like that in a way, um, which I think served me quite well because, you know, from the start when we went out to Budapest, there was sort of like the main six of us, that being myself and Archie and Ben and Freddie and Mita and Kit, who were sort of like the uh, the main cast. And I very much felt like we were all there together as as the leads. Um, so while I was probably on set a little bit more than everyone else, I never really thought about it um, too much because I think I would have probably end up putting pressure on myself I mean like there was you know it's when the beginning of mine and Ben's friendship he was you know I was often teasing him and I was like oh I'm I'm number one on the call sheet so um, just just say <laughs> quite often just be like well I think I should go first because I'm number one on the call sheet you know but you know he said to me he was like well you know you are you are number one on the call sheet you are the lead here um so people will look to you for you know to sort of essentially lead by example and um and I was like okay bring it on like that's fine I I had very clear ideas of like the kind of environment I wanted us to be able to work in like one where everyone felt super relaxed and safe and that when new people came in you know I was like come on I'm taking you for dinner we're gonna get to know each other so at least they knew someone um so that was really important to me so I think you know I just didn't take it too seriously I just wanted to have fun and make sure everyone else did um and that was probably the best decision because it just meant that it was quite a chill kind of atmosphere. I, you know, there was no sort of big egos and people stomping around and being demanding. Everyone was just, everyone was just really nice. Um, which, you know, when you're spending so much time together and you're spending, you know, doing all these silly things and being exhausted, not sleeping well, you want just a nice, a nice warm environment, really. Well, I do anyway. Well, 100%. And Alina is such an incredible figure in the fact that she really does overturn this old school version of what a leading lady is in our mainstream media and we need more figures like this in Mm, our media and entertainment and I was just wondering what kind of stereotypes in your own life do you feel like you've had to fight against and overturn gosh I feel like I feel like my whole life up until fairly recently I was like wading through like Mm. (laughs) you know sort of constant you know constantly just trying to be like no I'm no I'm not like that through this sort of like bog of stereotypes because you know my whole life I've never really felt and this is one thing that I've really understood about my character Lena was I've never really felt like I fit into any boxes really um in terms of my heritage in terms of gender in terms of lots of things I always felt from from childhood that I I was different um, than lots of my peers at school. And on top of all of that, it had, you know, the stereotypes of what, you know, the, the things people would say about me in terms of, in terms of my race, um, in terms of being, you know, I grew up in a predominantly white area um, and lots of my white friends and non-Asian friends would have very like stereotypical ideas about what I was like or what my family was like. Um, and, and that was always really difficult because I not only... Their, their assumptions were never really true, but they also would make me feel insecure in my heritage because I was like, well, am I, am I meant to be like that? Am I meant to know how, what that is? Am I meant to know how to speak Cantonese? Am I, you know, I, oh, what, what am I? So it's just, I've spent most of my life, honestly, up until fairly recently, just being like, oh, no, I'm not, no, no, I'm not that. No, I'm not that really that either. But, uh, you know, and just, it, it is kind of weird that we, we're so as a society we we hold on to these stereotypes like so much and we actually just like don't need to and I don't think it really serves anyone um 
and so that I've, I have found it like pretty frustrating throughout my life. What kind of assumptions did people have about you and your racial identity when you were growing up? It was always the, you know, the, for example, one of the many things I think racism and the idea of the way that East Asians, particularly, but also South Asians, um, are sort of portrayed in in sort of essentially like most media, but in England especially, there's a sort of um, there's something comic about it. The way that the the characters in TV shows stuff are portrayed, you know, you you often have the nerdy East Asian who's good at maths or something, um, or you know, the hyper sexualized. East Asian woman and those were the two things that I got a lot of um I I was I was quite good at school you know I have a very very good memory so like school was kind of a breeze because that's that's what it is it was one big memory test really isn't it <laughs> um and um um but you know it was it was often this sort of as I got older into my sort of early and then later teens that the, the assumptions made about me by um other people in terms of this kind of demure subservient hypersexualized thing that people would say about me I remember meeting going out and um going to clubs and stuff you know when you when you do when you're 18 and and you know have getting into conversations with people in the smoking area and it would always end up there would be some guy who'd come out and say some some just just vile something really quite vile about you know Asian women and stuff and how how he'd be into that and you know, you, it's just shocking. It's shocking that anyone would be that frank anyway. I mean, I'm, I'm all for just saying what you believe in, but there's a, there is, there is a line. Um, and that was always really quite shocking to me that, that, that the way that people would talk about it with such confidence when, you know, and clearly thinking, well, there's, this is fine. This is fine for me to say within, you know, within this world that we live in, me saying, oh yeah, like I really, I've got yellow fever, all that kind of thing is acceptable when obviously it's completely not. And it used to make me really, really, really uncomfortable. Um, and, you know, so that was always quite hard and people making assumptions about my dad or people saying to me, you know, oh, I heard your dad speaking the other day in the shop or whatever. And I say, oh yeah, interesting. And they'd say, oh, he, he doesn't sound Chinese. And I was like, well, no. I mean, what are, you, what are you expecting? He's lived in the UK since he was, like, a teenager. So he, 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 what were you thinking he was going to have a really thick accent? And just things like that. It was kind of, it, it, there's this, like, patronising way that people would sometimes talk about my family as well. Um, and that was always quite hard, especially being mixed, because it wasn't even, like, a lot of the time I could be... I could feel like I could really be offended or anything because at the same time, I didn't necessarily feel connected to that side of myself anyway. So it would then just make me feel even worse. So yeah, it was a bit, it was a weird old, old time growing up. I think it is for everyone, isn't it? Oh my God. It's, it's, it's a process for everyone, isn't it? And it's so individual. And I think finding your own identity in a world where you're constantly told you need to adhere to certain labels or Mm -hmm. stick inside certain boxes is so difficult and it's even more difficult if you do have a mixed heritage isn't it yeah yeah definitely I used to always find it you know in those like tick box forms when they ask you your your race or whatever and I'd be like what white I mean no I guess I'm Asian okay I'm mixed you know and you just don't really know where you fit in that because you know I was born in the UK I'm British and 
you know, it's kind of always, and people want, we, we love, humans love categorizing things, don't we? Mm-hmm. We always, we, when we meet new people, we ask certain questions so that we can almost file them away into, okay, you're this kind of person and you're that kind of person. So I know how to, how to treat you, which is a good thing in lots of ways. You know, if you have a wide range of people in your life and, you know, you can make connections between two different people based on what they like or whatever. That's cool. But at the same time, if you don't have a wide range of people in your life and you have a more of a narrow view, it, it just leads to, you know, the, uh, the real um, ignorant sort of uh, feelings that sometimes people have to, towards other, um, other groups. I mean, I remember talking to a guy at uni and he was quite adamant that my dad looked like um, George Takai. And I... <laughs> And I was like, well, he doesn't really. I mean, like, he looks more like him than someone else, but but not really. Mm. And he was then going on about how all, all East Asians, oh, they all look the same, they all look the same. And I was like, well, they, they really don't. Like, my dad and his brothers don't even look alike. And um, we got into this conversation, and I remember just thinking, like, do you actually know anyone well who is East Asian? And I don't think he did, because, you know, if you do, and you, you if it's like when people think, oh, all, all of that group look the same you don't know enough individuals personally you know because if you did you would see that you're you, you the the homogenization sort of falls away i think when you start to get to know a certain group of people and this discussion comes at a time where we are dealing with more anti asian hate crimes mm-hmm. and like uk police reports said there was a rise of over 300% of hate crimes against chinese east and south asian individuals in the first yeah. quarter of 2020 alone which is such a troubling figure. When you hear that, does that feel quite triggering? And how's that experience been for you hearing and and feeling this change happen in our society in that sense? Yeah, it's been very upsetting because, I mean, like I've mentioned, I think racism towards Asians in the UK especially has always been very prevalent, but it's always been kind of like weirdly over and also, you know, that kind of jokey jokey kind mm. of thing. Um, which has its own problems, but but now, you know, more than ever, I've feared for the safety of my family. Um, you know, I have family members who live in, in Canada and Vancouver, my, my grandma, for example. And, you know, you hear about, like, elderly Asian people who've been attacked on the street. And I just think that that could be my grandma. That could, that's someone's grandma. Um, and that is horrible. And it's, it's, it is terrifying. And, you know, even my dad is, you know, is a pretty stand-up guy, he's a real legend. Um, and he puts up he puts up with a lot. <laughs> you know, he he his whole life he's really put up with quite a lot um in terms of racism. And you know, he even he was saying that he was off on going up to one of the Black Lives Matter protests last summer. And when he was on the train, uh, you know, masks on and everything, he uh, there was a a mother and daughter who um who were white, it is relevant. Um who were sitting in the same sort of carriage as him. And, and when he came and sat down, they got up and moved further down the carriage. And it was very obvious why. Um, and, you know, he laughs that kind of thing off, you know, and sort of makes a joke out of it, but it's not okay. And it, I know that he's making a joke out of it because it made him feel uncomfortable and it made him feel, you know, you want to go after them and say, no, I'm, I'm fine, don't yeah. worry, you know. Um, so it, it's it's been quite troubling. I've been lucky that, you know, I haven't, I haven't experienced any, you know, unpleasantness myself this year. Um, I mean, I'm, I'm sure I have somewhere on the internet, but I don't really, I don't really look into <laughs> what anyone ever says about me. But um, 
yeah, it, it is it is very troubling. And, you know, especially with social media and the way that like these things, you know, fake news or whatever, the you know, hatred can be spread so quickly and so easily on, on these social media platforms. And that, and that does that does worry me a lot. Um, but at the same time, I think, you know, that there are things being done to to change that. And I think, you know, even though it sounds a bit trite, but having things like, you know, TV shows like Shadow and Bone that have a bit more of a diverse cast of like fairly realistic characters, despite the fantasy setting, they're all just like whole people. And I think that kind of thing is important so that, you know, in order to humanise the groups that may may be othered more often than not. You know, if, if you're someone who doesn't know anyone who's Asian and you have these stereotypes in mind and then you see, for example, Alina um, and you get to know this character, it, it might actually change your perspective on on the people in your real life as well. Um, I would hope. <laughs> well, babe, you are sensational in that. And I, I feel like that was what's so special about this character and you should be so proud that you're putting that on the screen because it's so incredible you are a queen babe let's get real (laughs) let's crown you right here right now but who do you think has inspired you and passed the crown on to you oh it's tricky I feel like you know there's always the people in life you know that that you look up to that you don't really know um you know there are so many amazing you know especially actors and stuff I I love actors like um you know Francis McDormand Sandra Oh are, are actors that I really look up to I think that they're just great people I've actually met Sandra Oh and I thought she was amazing stop I, it what was the, that like tell yeah, me everything right here <laughs> it right was now so nice um yeah we met just uh for it was during an audition process didn't get the job devastated but um <laughs> <laughs> I got to meet her and I was I was I, I'm not normally that person who gets excited meeting meeting people. It's just, they're just a person. But I was excited to meet Sandra Oh because she was such a inspiration to me. Um, and just, I loved all of the roles that she was doing. And this was, you know, around the time, you know, I think Killing Eve season two had come out by that point. So um, I was just, yeah, I was overjoyed. And, and I was midway filming Shadow and Bone. So, and, and she knew about it. And she said that her nieces were excited about it and I just remembered that being like the best thing ever I was like oh my god that maybe she'll watch it with them (laughs) um so yeah I mean I think I think she is absolutely I think she's phenomenal I think she's a really cool person she's she's said you know she's quite straight talking um and she says what she thinks and I and I really like that there's no kind of I, I love people who are you know kind of like uncompromising but in a kind sort of you know friendly way um but I also, you know, my my mum is incredible. She's so hardworking, um, you know, and she, had, she, you know, essentially raised me and my brother by herself. Um, and, you know, I, she's really instilled us with lots of like really great life lessons that I still, you know, think about to this day of, you know, things that my mum told me when we were very little. Um, so I think definitely my mum as well. She's a, she's a ledge. What kind of things did that legend... <laughs> that absolute up. legend she's just like someone who is very understanding of of other people in terms of you know the way I like to see it is you know sometimes I might be with a friend um let's say we're in a shop or a restaurant and the person that we're talking to this cashier or the, or the the waiter is a, maybe a bit rude or a bit short 
And, you know, the, my friend or whoever's there might say something, oh, why that person's been really rude to me or whatever. And my mum was always very good at, you know, she would, she was always very good at making sure that we understood that, that the world doesn't revolve around us. You know, mm. my, the, while my world does revolve around me, it doesn't, I'm not the centre of everyone else's world. So when someone is rude or when someone is, you know, behaving in a way that you you feel you can, obviously you can end up taking things personally, but more often than not, it's got absolutely nothing to do with you. And that person might may, maybe having the worst day they may be unwell they may have had some bad news um and understanding that from quite a young age was really helpful to me because I go through life and you know if there is someone who's being rude or difficult whatever I will consider that I'll consider is this person okay does this person actually need someone to just say something nice to them and more often than not they do you know if you were just polite back to someone and give someone a smile they they tend to you know pay it back oh my god i love that and it's so important what your mum said because you can waste so much of your time in life worrying about everyone else and the energy they're giving back to you and sometimes the fact is it's 90 percent usually their energy as long as you're a good person in your core and you know you're not treating someone badly (laughs) when they act badly to you or they treat you badly it's something that's going on with them and when you register that exactly it becomes more manageable doesn't it yeah, you just don't get upset and you can just say, okay, either that's your that's your problem and I'm not going to get involved or, you know, try and do something nice for that person or whatever. I think I think that's just, it's only ever a positive experience for me and, and I don't really feel like I've ever had any kind of fallout with anyone. Um, maybe now's the time though. Maybe I should put that behind me and just go and have an argument in Sainsbury's <laughs> or something. <laughs> We're not about that. We're not about that. Well, babe... Stay tuned because we're going to come back mm-hmm. straight after this break. Make It Rain is proud to be working with Aurelia London, the experts in probiotic skincare. I don't know about you, but coming out of winter, my skin is looking super dull. So to bring back my glow, I've been using Aurelia London's probiotic concentrate to supercharge my everyday skin routine, using it alongside the Aurelia London Day Moisturiser. Probiotic skincare gives the ultimate glow, no matter what your skin concern is, from fine lines to rosacea and even pigmentation or acne. And because Aurelia London and Make It Rain are all about empowering people to glow inside and out, I have a special code for you. Get 20% off the entire range by heading to aureliolondon.com and using the code JOSH20 at the checkout. Well, welcome back, babe. Hello again. <laughs> Hi again. Well, one of the things I loved about Shadow Bone, I mean, I've literally just been like plastering it with a load of love today, haven't I? But <laughs> yeah. one of the things I love is about um, this concept of her coming into her power and stepping mm-hmm. into it. When have you felt the most in your power and the least in your power at times in your life? I think probably I mean, most most of growing up, I didn't really feel like I had much power. You know, you don't, do you? That's why everyone is all rebellious and I hate adults and all that kind of thing. Because I always, I, I found that I was constantly being held back by, you know, what I felt to be arbitrary rules that didn't make any sense a lot of the time. Um, 
So I remember feeling quite powerless a lot of the time during school. And then I ended up going to university after school and to study languages um, just because I felt like that's what you do. Again, back to this, like feeling I had to be conventional. I went to uni because that's what everyone else was doing. And um, I absolutely hated it. I hated the experience. I felt like my life was was just spiraling out of control in the, all these directions that I didn't want it to be in. Um, and I was like, well, I'm doing it. I'm here now. I might as well. It's a four year course. I guess I guess I'll do it. And oh, yeah, I guess I'll live in this flat. And oh, I guess I'll go to that night out, even though I don't like that part of Brighton, you know, or whatever. And I was constantly just doing things that I didn't want to do um, and feeling like I had to. And then it wasn't until I it was like my second year of uni and I was really, really unhappy. I was quite unwell. And um I just, I wasn't even going to class anymore. And I just felt like I need, I need to change something right now because it felt so long. that I was like living my life so passively, like waiting for other stuff to happen. I think it's so easy to do that where we just think, well, I'll, I'll just stick it out until something surely is going to happen that will be good. Right. Um, so I ended up then dropping out. I just, I remember talking to some friends and just saying, like, I'm just, I'm really, really unhappy. So I dropped out of university and then you know, it was a quite a difficult few months, but I started working as a um, a teaching assistant, like a special needs teaching assistant in secondary school in my hometown. I was suddenly in a position where I was doing something that I really liked. I love people. I particularly love young people. They are absolutely hilarious. I don't know if you have any kids or young people in your life, but some of the stuff that people that they come out with is absolute comedy gold. You know, every single day, I would be like in tears laughing because of something one of my students said to me. Um, and I loved them all so much. And it was such a nice experience because I was sort of coming almost like coming back to myself a bit more and mm. doing things that I liked doing. And that was around the time I started to, you know, sort of go along to, um, you know, acting courses and stuff, you know, so I meet people who are actors because it was something I enjoyed. But it was around that time, it was almost like a little training ground for my for my well-being and for my self-esteem during that job because I was in a position of sort of sort of authority but not really um and I started to see that I could have a positive effect on other people you know some of some of the students I looked after were just were so so lovely um but some of them were quite vulnerable um and some of them needed a lot of support and a lot of love and I think the realizing that I could actually give that to these young people I wasn't much, and I was much I was about 19 at the time I really wasn't much older <laughs> than lots of them um but I think that was really nice because it made it sort of made me feel validated that mm. there was something I was good at and that thing was talking to people and understanding people yeah 100% even what you've been saying you've been on a real journey with your identity haven't you mm. like we all have like all the queens yeah. who listen to this right here right now <laughs> but have you kind oh, yeah. of learned that you're difference and what makes you different is ultimately been your superpower in a way as well definitely it's been the past few years when I've really you know I decided essentially just to not not to give a fuck anymore and yeah I spent exactly right zero fucks (laughs) because you know I grew up always sort of feeling a bit um never in a bad way never like put myself down for it but I was always a bit weird you know I liked weird things and I I was different from from lots of the people I was in school with so I think because of that and because you know I had I had undiagnosed ADHD on top of everything and I often found like I didn't quite 
I felt like I was missing something sometimes. Mm. So I did feel this kind of like drive to conform in a way because I was so unconventional in lots of other ways. I sort of felt like, okay, well, I've got to have a certain balance. So I used to sort of think, well, you know, I'll be conventional. Um, and it just made me unhappy. It really did. Like, you know, going into friendships that I actually wasn't that keen on being in, but because they kind of felt like I should have them or relationships or whatever it was, I often felt like this isn't really truly who I am. And I'm having conversations with people in my life that I, that I'm not finding challenging or exciting. They're not, they're not giving me life. You know, I'd have these lovely, lovely friends, but who just had none of the same interests as me. Um, So, and then in the past few years, I realized that, you know, people still liked me when I wasn't doing that. Um, And I could form even stronger, you know, relationships. I used to be quite aware that, you know, when I was younger, it wasn't very cool to be joyful. That's not cool. You know, I was, and I was a bit of a rebel at school. I was quite naughty. Um, So although I was like a bit cheeky, it wasn't kind of the dumb thing to be excited and enthusiastic about things, even though that was like so within my nature. I am Mm. so joyful. So I used to sort of, dumb that down a bit and you know but then it would end up that I would maybe come across in a way that I really wasn't like a bit uh, maybe haughty or like I thought I was quite cool when when really I'm just an idiot um so so then I just realized I don't need to do that I don't need to like placate this imaginary I don't know society that I've built up in my head where we you know kind of have to be like you know take a step back and not be too enthusiastic about everything. And I was like, I like things. I like people. If I like a person, I'm going to let them know. And, um, and that has only served me well, you know, it's, it's sort of, it's very sweet at the moment. Obviously I'm, we're doing interviews with my friends in the cast and everyone says such lovely things about them. They say that, you know, Jesse's like sunshine and I've never really thought of it like that, but I, I just don't, I just, I don't make any apologies for being happy when I am. And I don't make any apologies for for loving people when I do. Um, and if someone, if I meet someone and they are just, something about them just makes me laugh or makes me happy, I will show it because why not? Why would I pretend to not love you? You know, because if anything, that's just going to make us better friends and it's going to make you feel better. Um, so when I sort of decided that, like I'm not going to try and be how everyone says you should be. Um, you know, you shouldn't text back too quickly. You shouldn't. No, I'm going to oh, text God. back immediately. <laughs> the text politics if I want situation. To. I can't cope. I'm so glad I'm in a relationship now that I don't have to deal with that. Because it yeah. used to literally keep me up at night. <laughs> yeah. And like friends would always be like, oh, you know, should I should I text them back? Oh, I don't know. And I'm just like, do it. Do, do it. it. Because, like, you know, there's always going to be someone who's going to say, oh, bit keen or whatever. But at the same time, why are you talking then? Like, you know, if you're getting to know someone, show them you like them. Um, if you like something or you you admire someone, tell them. I just think this world is so, it can be so depressing and so lonely. Um, so why, if you've got the opportunity to really connect with someone in like, a, a, like earnest, I think earnestness is really underrated. Um, people being like sincerely kind to each other. Um, you know, I, I love that. And I've, found that it has only like enhanced all of my relationships and all the friendships I've made in the past few years have just been so much more meaningful because you know you'll open up this sort of you know 
the tables there you can you can you can talk about anything and you can say like really embarrassingly loving things to your friends and they say it back and it's lovely so basically queens text back this is the message you want to tell everyone today <laughs> exactly and then queens exactly. love unconditionally and when they want to yeah. share that love make it raise <laughs> that love honeys <laughs> exactly i mean with that in mind i've literally loved talking to you and listening to you today babe and at the end of every episode we always say one last question which is in the reign of your life what is the one rule you will always live by <laughs> what is the one rule i live by um always treat other people like like people treat other people like human beings and and remember that that the feelings that you're having other people are having them too and you know that that to be honest kindness in my experience has only ever been the right choice in every situation well <laughs> you keep living your truth like you're amazing shadow bones amazing and just oh, congratulations babe thank you so much for listening queens i hope you enjoyed this conversation and take just as much away from it as i have and if you haven't already make sure you subscribe or follow wherever you get your podcast from so you'll know which amazing queen is joining me next time and make sure you share this around your friends and get those conversations going because we need each other now more than ever before. Hi babes, me again. Just wanted to tell you about something very exciting. I can't believe I'm about to tell you this, but I've written a book and it's called Great Chat. As you know, I love to chat, plot spoiler, and I love talking to people about their lives because as I always say, talking and listening is so powerful. The book is all about how you can master conversation and transform your life, just like it has for me. I've used my experience from all the amazing interviews I've been lucky enough to do, as well as a load of research to help you deal with everything from making new friends to embracing difficult discussions. Great chat should never be underestimated. It can truly improve your well-being, allow you to create the life you want, and bring the connections you are so deserving of, babes. You can pre-order Great Chat today in hardback, ebook, and audiobook, read by me, no less, and it's out on the 20th of June.